title that we've chosen for this short series, and it really deals with the setting that we find ourselves in. But I want to do something this morning. I appreciate a general statement like God is greater than the highs and lows, but I have a personal relationship with God. I don't know about you. So I have personalized this statement, and I say it like this. God is greater than all my highs and lows. Uh, then I'm able to have a better understanding that when I'm in those highs, he's there. When I'm in those lows, he's there. He never changes. So I want you to say that with me. I want you to personalize it this morning and, and say this, that God is greater than my highs and lows. You ready? God is greater than my highs and lows. And he is. He was not surprised when COVID-19 came. Do you realize that? God knew that it was on its way. Well, I didn't. And I know when it hit and my wife said, go to the store quickly. I guess I moved too slowly or somebody had inside information that I didn't have because there was no toilet paper left. All right, there were no paper towels. There was no... 99% kill all of the things that you put in your hands. And everything was gone. It was like the shelves were empty. And I'm thinking, wow, this is serious if it's going to continue at this, this pace of, of panic. And then the restaurants closed. Well, how are we going to live? And if we can't go out to eat, my goodness. And my wife's a great cook. Don't get me wrong. And then the movies closed and sports went down. At that point, I thought life was over. <laughs> you know, no sports? Are you kidding me? And then television shows didn't finish their season. They've left us hanging out there. The movie theaters are no longer open. Oh, my goodness. But then we get into the important things. All your children came home. Remember that? Adapting to that wasn't easy. And husbands and wives had to live with each other 24-7. Probably the biggest issue. But even more serious. Some of you and many others are underemployed or unemployed. Some lost businesses and are trying to figure out what to do next. And some have lost friends and loved ones. It's not an easy time. It's a very difficult time to be in. One of the problems that we have is that when we enter these times, we consider that it's not the way it used to be, and we want to change that. You see, you're living without some things, that you never thought you'd have to give up. But look, you're still here. You've made it for six months with some of those things you didn't think you could have. But what were they? In some cases, they were good. Some of the things that you leaned upon, that you desired in life were not bad for you, but perhaps they occupied too much of your time and Unfortunately, some of those things were bad and may be continuing in that pathway. Things like alcohol and drugs and 
gambling and all of the addictive behaviors that come. You know, our heart here at the church is to have a Celebrate Recovery program. And we haven't been able to launch that yet because of COVID, but we're going to. Because seldom do we have a day go by that we don't hear from someone with that need. All of us throughout our lives have lived with crutches, things we've leaned upon to be able to make it through life. Well, the good news is this. God, not being surprised by COVID, is here to take you away from that which you were dependent upon that was opposed to his purpose. Let me say that again. There is a purpose that you and I have before COVID, and I now call that BC, okay? Before COVID, I knew my purpose. My purpose was to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to love my wife, to serve her, to love my children, to love my grandchildren, to love the church, to love you. It's a very clear purpose. Do you know that purpose hasn't changed because of COVID? But that's because I really understand my purpose. My purpose is to seek his kingdom, to seek his righteousness, and then leave the rest of it up to him. What's your purpose? What was your purpose before COVID? Was your purpose to gain things? Was your purpose to have more than someone else? Was your purpose security or significance? If that was the case, your purpose was misdirected. There's nothing wrong with gaining things. There's nothing wrong with being significant in other people's lives or being able to provide security for your family. It's not that those are wrong. It's those are secondary to the overall purpose of God in your life. Those of you who are in college, your purpose is to glorify God while you're in college. Yes, you, you want to gain the degree in order to gain the livelihood that you'll need to provide for yourself. But your overall purpose is that you do that one day at a time in Christ. That's your purpose. It's to be filled up with him. Don't get your purposes confused. God has treasures out there for us. And what he is saying to us in the midst of this pandemic is, trade your crutches for my treasures. Drop your crutch and let me provide what you will need. When your purpose is driven by gain or by circumstances, your purpose will change. You'll never be satisfied with your gain and you'll never be able to predict the circumstances that change your purpose. But if you're a follower of Christ, if you're glorifying him and his kingdom, then no circumstance is going to change who you are. So who are you? Who are you in Christ? Are, are you a child of the king? A few weeks ago, we were in a series called Elementary. It's a series on discipleship where we were helping you understand what we have learned over the years of how to 
tell other people about Christ and how to help them disciple others. And Pastor Aaron brought one of the messages, and it was about the circle. And if you happen to see that, then you may remember that there were two basic questions asked. The one on one side of the circle was, what is God saying to me? And on the other side of the circle is, what am I going to do about it? What's my response? So what is God saying to you in the midst of this pandemic? And what are you going to do about it? Let me tell you the way the world looks at it. There's an article from the International Journal of Medicine from this July. And here's what they say. Multiple lines of evidence indicate that the virus has profound psychological and social effects. Well, we would agree with that. We've seen these. The psychological sequence of the pandemic will probably persist for months and years to come. Studies indicate that it's associated with distress, anxiety, fear of contagion, depression, insomnia, especially in healthcare professionals, social isolation, fear of contagion, uncertainty, chronic stress, economic difficulties. All of these may lead to the development or exacerbation of depressive anxiety, substance abuse, and other psychiatric disorders in vulnerable populations. So it is imperative that we decrease stress, anxiety, fears, and loneliness in the general population. Now their recommendation is we go on social media to promote mental health. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to add to that and say that's not going to give you the conclusion you're really looking for. What you're really looking for is how do I deal with the fears that I've had? How do I deal with the stress that I'm coming under? How do I deal with these economic situations that have changed our life? How are we going to deal with that? If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, I don't know how you're going to deal with it. Because only in him are you going to find the answer. Now, it will be in his timing. It'll be his plan. But because of who you are, his child... He loves you so much that he would never leave you out there by yourself in the midst of this. He will come to you in your time of need. The scripture says, if we fulfill our vows unto him and we call upon him in our day of trouble, he will deliver us. I claim that scripture because I want to understand what God is doing. Now, some people say, no, you just need to accept the new normal. No, I don't. Because you know what? There is a normal that has never changed. And that's the kingdom of God. Do you know that the church with a big C, meaning the church worldwide, the true church of Jesus Christ, those who proclaim Jesus in an honest and biblical way, has been growing for the last six months? in spite of the pandemic, or perhaps because of it. We have had quite a number of people come to this church or come online with us who have never been to church before. 
And they're now being engaged with us as a result of the gospel going out. And they're finding that peace. They're learning how to reduce stress. They're learning that fear is not something that God gave us. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us love and power and a sound mind. Self-control. He gave us things to deal with these situations. And yet he is still there. So I reject a new normal, though certainly things have changed in my life. But I know that my God did not become impotent as a result of COVID-19. My God is still greater than all of my highs and all of my lows. I love it like that. Why would I want a God who can't? But there is nothing impossible with our God. Now, it's this God that wants to challenge you. I'm going to give you a statement here, and I want you to really think about it carefully. I want you to measure the importance of what you're missing. Just think for a moment. What is it that I'm missing right now? Measure the importance of what you're missing against the promise of God's provision. There's some things that I wish I still had that I had six months ago that I don't have today. Some relationships, some attitudes toward certain things, some provisions. And yet, when I think about God and about his perfect plan for all of us, I have to kind of slap myself in the face and say, you know, wake up. Your God's greater than all these things that are going on. He will be with you. Because scripture promises me that. My faith is assured because Christ rose from the dead. Well, now this same Jesus taught his disciples what I'm teaching you today. Because he knew he had a limited period of time to help them move from their lifestyles into being the first representatives of his kingdom in the world. He knew. I only have a little over three years. Now they didn't know that. And look what he picked them from. He picked fishermen. You know, they spent their day, they'd clean the nets in the evening when they were done. They'd go home to their families. They'd get up really early in the morning. Sometimes they preferred fishing at night. And, and they would fish and they would bring their fish in. And they would calculate and they would clean and then they would go sell them in the marketplace. And this was their life. This was their sole purpose until Jesus came along and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they dropped everything. Okay. Now maybe they were just young and didn't understand what was taking place, but they really were enamored with him because there was some power about his personality. Remember when Jesus was in the boat and, and Peter said to him after hearing him speak and after getting this great draught of fish, he said, you know, depart from me, for I am an evil person. He knew he was in the presence of something different. So Jesus is teaching these disciples, and we're going to go into one of the teachings in Matthew chapter 6. It's early in this three-year ministry. But Christ is laying a foundation for the kingdom of God. And he realizes that you and I are so concerned about the things of life. We're concerned about what we're going to wear. We're concerned about what we're going to eat. We're concerned about what we're going to drive. We're concerned about where we're going to live. Legitimate concerns, right? 
Because those are things that are the basic important things of life. But he knew that about his disciples. And so he says to them in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, he says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Trade your crutches for his treasure. But your heart has to leave those desires and move in to a relationship with him. That's what he's saying. He's saying, why, why are you spending all of your time attempting to acquire things that I would provide for you? It's not that you don't have to work. Work is part of the human life. We were created to work and to serve. But I'm not concerned in my own heart, in my own life, about what I'm going to wear and what I'm going to eat and how I'm going to shelter my family as long as I'm doing what God has called me to do and that is to advance his kingdom. And that's the same call to you. Yes, I'm a pastor, but that's a calling. You who are in the university, that's a calling right now for you. And it's equal to the calling I have because we're all followers of Christ. We have the same calling and that is to advance his kingdom, to find those people who are worried about everything and fearful about everything and present to them the one who can take away those worries and those fears. That's what Christ calls us to do. So Jesus gathers these disciples and he says, guys, you know, don't worry about the kind of net you're going to fish with. Don't be concerned, Matthew, about how much tax you can collect. Don't get into those things anymore. Just follow me and I'm going to teach you what life is really all about. And so they're rather enamored with this teaching because this is new. And it's new for you if you've never heard about Christ and what he provides. Because you and I are raised in a society that puts value in significance and security. Nothing wrong with those unless that is your purpose. My purpose is to glorify him and enjoy him. That's your purpose. How do I glorify him? doing the work that's been given me to do, loving my family the way Scripture says I should love them, caring for the poor, You're doing all of the things that, that God calls each of us to do. That's how I know that the promises of God are true for me. It's because I'm fulfilling my vow to him. And if I fulfill that vow, he's made promises to me. Continuing... In this same scripture, chapter 6, jumping to verse 25, Jesus now says, going a little bit deeper, you know, I don't want you to worry about these kind of things, but listen to this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink or about body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. That's the first clue we're going to get. Look at the birds. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now he's getting down to the root of the problem. He's saying if you're placing faith in the things you're acquiring, if you're placing faith in relationships that you have here, if you're placing your faith in your abilities, it's a misplaced faith. And the neatest thing to me is where he says, so don't worry, saying what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do you know that right now God knows everything you need today? and tomorrow, and three months from now, and a year from now. I mean, he's all-knowing. He knows everything you need. I love that. So when I think something's of need, I will go to him and say, okay, Father, uh, I think I need this. Uh, my timing seems to never be your timing, and, and the way that you do things is not generally the way I would do them, but I'm going to leave it with you. So why don't you do whatever you do because I think I need this. Now, if I don't need this, if I'm kidding myself, then I know it's never going to show up. But if I need it, I know that you will provide it. That's the way I pray. Because I'm simply taking these scriptures. What Jesus is doing is a neat form of argumentation. He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. Now, listen to this. He's saying, you see the birds... I know you've all watched birds. And you see the bird fly in. We have a, a little bird bath out behind our home and see this little bird fly in. And, you know, one time he came and he had a worm in his mouth, but he wanted to bathe, so he had a conflict of interest. It was very difficult for him, but he bathed and he took that worm and he left. And how did he get the worm? God sent him to the worm. God provided for him. God takes care of these little creatures. And then you talk about the flowers. We have some flowers at our home right now that just went crazy. They're coleas, and these things have grown to be about this tall. They're huge. And you know what they are? They are an expression of the creative nature of our God. When you look at all of the flowers that God has created, what he's saying is Solomon, the wisest and richest man that ever lived, was not as beautifully adorned as these flowers. Now, Christ didn't die for flowers and birds. The scripture does say that the whole creation groans in travail awaiting its day of redemption, which means when Christ returns and the earth is changed, then the flowers and the creatures and the trees and everything will praise God and they will find their redemption and their use as he intended. But he didn't die for them. He died for you and me. Wow, he, he sent him to us because we are image bearers. Every one of us in some way reflect the character of God. 
And that's what God wants, is he wants us to shine for him, for others to see who we are, and to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's how the, the kingdom expands. So he died for you. If you've never entered the kingdom of God, if you don't know what I'm talking about, now's your day. Now is the time to say, Jesus, take over my life. Come into my heart. That's all it takes. That's a prayer. You will not be rejected. It has nothing to do with what you've done or who you are or what position you hold in life. It has to do with the gracious love of God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. If you're already in the kingdom, then you should not be living with fear and worry and doubt. But you should be living in the, in the power that God gives you to live through his Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is teaching these disciples. And it's so important that you and I understand this. God did not go into quarantine when COVID hit. God has continued to move because God is greater than your highs and lows. You and I have learned to live without many things in these past six months, and we may have to continue doing this. We have no idea. But the one thing you cannot live without is Jesus Christ. You're kidding yourself if you think your life is full without him. Your life is empty. Only in Christ will these promises be kept to you. So Jesus wants to conclude this thought with the disciples. He said to them, I want you to stop thinking about your businesses that you were in, the work you were doing, what you were pursuing. I want you to pursue me now. And by the way, the clothing, the food, I'll take care of all of that. Can you imagine when Jesus first fed that 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves? How they were going, oh, that must have been what he meant. When we were hungry, we'd be fed. Well, it is. He will feed us. He will do everything that is necessary miraculously to bring us where he wants us to be. But now he comes to the core value, the real purpose statement of every one of us. In Matthew 6, 33, he says, stop worrying, stop being concerned, all of that, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Who's? The king, the king of the kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. So your purpose in life is to seek the king and his kingdom, to seek his righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. I am not a righteous man, but Christ in me with his righteousness allows me to use his righteousness to proclaim him to other people in the way I live a daily life. How are you doing with that? You see, COVID can't affect that. When you truly trust him and you're seeking his kingdom and you're in his kingdom, you're in the kingdom of God. God created everything. Wow. You know, I don't, I don't have any fears. An old evangelist used to say, you don't have anything to worry about. God is on your side. I love that. He is on our side. And he's working through us. But here comes the part I like the best. 
When Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's almost like an afterthought. And oh, by the way, all these things will be added to you. Let me tell you something interesting. Every word that God selected to use in scripture, every word that Jesus spoke, it was a calculated word. It wasn't just randomly chosen and thrown in. It had a purpose. Now, the phrase shall be added to you is one word in Greek. And from that word, the root of it, we get the word prosthetic. Because the Greek word has prostatetetesi. But the prosthetic means this. Future tense, passive voice. Future. Whatever you need in the future will be added to you. Shall be added. Passive voice. Not by anything you do. Not by all the work you can try to accomplish. No. It will be added outside of yourself. I have a friend, Ed, who recently had his leg removed above the knee. For months now, he's been preparing to receive a prosthetic device. He didn't make it. Somebody else did. He needs it. Somebody else will install it. Somebody else will teach him how to use it. What Jesus is saying is this. If you want me to rule in your life and you can have a great life, then I will add to you everything you need. Now, it will be in his time, and it will be according to his way of doing it. So don't get in the way. Don't mess it up. Just receive what it is that God's bringing. Well, what are we supposed to do? What is our responsibility in this setting? If you go all the way back to the first part of chapter 5, you're going to hear him say, there are three foundational principles of the Christian faith of the kingdom, and they are when you give, when you pray, when you fast. It's that simple. When I go to God, I need to have my vows fulfilled. If I've promised to give him something, I better have given it with a good heart, and then I pray. And sometimes he'll say, this one requires fasting, and I will fast and pray. But I know this, it shall be added because I am pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's going to be added to me. It'll be added to you. Why? It's very simple. Because he loves you. He knows your every need, and he's going to meet every one of them. Why? Because our God is greater than all of our highs and all of our lows. So one more time, let's personalize it and say it right now. Our God is greater than my highs and my lows. Do you believe it? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are predictable in your promises to us. What you say comes true. Thank you for your son Jesus who died for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can embrace him and the kingdom and that we can hold on tight to you as we pass through this difficult time. We sang about the mountains that you move. Lord, this is a mountain. We're asking you to move it out of the way. We are fulfilling our vows to you, and we're praying to you today, Lord. Come soon, Lord Jesus, and help us in this setting. We will trust you, 